You are listening to the postcast presented by the Locked On Senators podcast following the end of the season for the Belleville Sens. They lost game one in overtime by a score of 4-3. They lose game two in overtime by a score of 4-3. I'm Ross Levitan here to break it all down with at Everyday Sens, your authority of Ottawa Senators content on Instagram and you can follow them as well on Twitter. Brennan, Tough, tough, tough. We appreciate you joining us for back-to-back postcasts. Unfortunately, you get to break down another loss in the end of the BSN season. Yeah, I was hoping to get some wins on here, get some, uh, get the train building, but uh, I guess you do what you can. Uh, two tough losses too. Like that, that was 18 extra minutes tonight. 17 yeah. last, so almost a full, full extra game just to lose, but tough to swallow. Uh, I don't know. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, there, well, there's a lot of good we can get into for sure, including the third period comeback. Roby Jarventi doing his best Josh Norris impression. But this game started pretty much the opposite of the game. We were saying it was a mirror image of the game in Rochester. In game one, Belleville jumped out to a 1-2, then 3-0 lead. This time the lead only got to 2, but Rochester finishes the first period up 1-0. A power play goal and a penalty-filled first period out of eight penalties in the full game. Sorry, nine penalties in the full game. Six of them came in the first period. So the refs really put their, their whistles away. I know you got some thoughts on that. One, of the, the only goal was on the power play. So was that was that even more like adding insult to injury, if for lack of a better term? Yeah, I thought the refs did all right after those first two calls. But unfortunately, that first call gave Rochester the lead. So that, that turns out to be a huge penalty because, I don't know, I was I – was, fuming from the years on those ones those were just soft I mean even last game they were calling it pretty loose it was like it's playoff hockey let it go and then they set the tone with two just soft hooking calls that weren't even really hooking calls I I was confused as to where the penalties even were Uh, and then you know I even posted a couple later in the game as I do uh, showing that like the same things happen over and over and they no call. Like why would uh-huh. you even call them to begin with? What was most egregiously in overtime on Igor Sokolov yeah, coming out like of his a own minute zone. before. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. That's, that's not even flag football. Like, like full on middle linebacker coming in as he crossed the blue line and Igor is looking around. You can tell he's like, are you kidding me? Refs may as well just told the teams like, Hey, just so you know, we're not going to call anything, but this one didn't come down to that bad call because Belleville got a five on three of their own. That's where they convert. It was an absolute beauty. We'll get to that. We'll go chronologically, though, through this one. And my first note here is what on the Ridley Gregg penalty? Of course, Rustalainen makes him pay. Rustalainen with a four point effort tonight. He was all over the puck. He was in both games, scored the game winner in game one as well. But right after that goal, Brennan. They had three great chances. And um, Shaw had a good one, just misses on a one timer. Chartier tries to jam one in side door. There's a scramble as well. And then right after that, they lose all momentum again with another penalty. And this one, the good PK from there. Bad, best chance of the third penalty as well, I thought it was Kaslik and Kelly. But Kaslik mm-hmm. being a left handed shot, he had to kind of grab it on his backhand. That would have changed the momentum in this game, wouldn't it have? Oh, definitely. Uh, and when I saw them going, I was I was thinking of Ottawa and their time in Ottawa. I was like, this is in the net. In the net every time. Arendelle, here it is. And they didn't even get a shot. And uh, it just that kind of like represented the first 40 minutes. The first two periods, it felt like every time they started to get a little bit of energy or the, the building got back into it, there's a penalty or there's a goal against. It's just like they couldn't get out of their own way slash the ref's way. But yeah, I mean, third period was good. But first two, it was, it was tough to watch. I mean. Best storyline, though, out of it 
Ridley Gregg and Mitch in the chat mentioned he's going to have a monster year if and when, in my opinion, he does play in the AHL next year. I think that bearing him on a fourth line, playing him in the Gambrell role, for lack of a better term, this year, I don't know if that's the best play for his development. Let him roll down there, man. Before we continue on chronologically, I guess it does kind of work out because my next note is Ridley Gregg draws a penalty after he took a phantom call. I thought that he did a great job keeping his feet moving all night. Yeah, he did for sure. He was super, super fast. Like, I, I didn't watch a lot of Brandon games this year, but he looks quicker than the last time I watched him because he was, like, any room, and he's gone. He, he's got crazy speed, way more than I was expecting. So he had a big impact on the game, and I think he found his way into a second-line role at some point. It seemed like he was he playing did. more minutes. So. Yeah, he was playing with Agazino and Yarventi throughout yeah. the third period and totally. overtime, and, and good for him, man. Mm-hmm. He deserved all the ice time he got. Yeah, so man clearly recognized it because he he was very impactful. He was throwing hits too. There was that one off camera. I wanted to get it, but like they yeah. don't have the replays. But I was waiting for you to post it because oh. the guy's name was Alt. I was gonna do yeah. Craig, Craig or Greg plus Alt plus yeah. Delete uh, on the yeah. thing. He absolutely threw him right oh, through the end gosh. boards. Yeah, I don't think it was on camera anyway. I didn't see it, but I heard it. Was it was like just yeah, you could hear yeah. it for and the sure. The crowd just went crazy. So yeah, Greg was really good, which like puts even more insult to it because <sighs> like even just one more game of him. And you, you think he's like one of those guys that comes in, he could change the series. I mean, yeah. tonight even, like he, without him, it might have been a totally different story because he was probably their best player, one of them. So I'll make it an even more depressing statement. What's the, What difference does he make if he plays in game one? Yeah, well, and then you get me thinking about Victor Lodine missing, and it's like, yeah. oh my God, like the whole season just kind of bad luck at the worst time again. It's full circle with Ottawa, but... Everyone felt it was going to be J.J. Paterka that took over this series. It was Artu Rustalainen. And this had to be a big game for Eels, Tapper Eels, because uh, Rustalainen was teammates with Roby Jarventi there Ooh. the last couple of years and Lassie Thompson. He was one of their little slick goal scorers. He's a nice little player, though. I got to give it to him. He almost had a chance to end this game, or did, in overtime, missed the net. But still, four-point night, two goals, two assists. He contributes on everything. That's a, that's a tough one to answer. But the Belleville Sense did answer back after going down 2 nothing. Ridley Gregg gets his first Calder Cup playoff point, secondary assist, and I would call it more of a primary. He, he gets the initial shot. It just kind of clipped off of Chartier's skate. So technically he gets a primary, but that was just another example of Ridley Gregg. Right place, right time, and making plays. Yeah, that was a really nice play. Just say, like, he just knows how to get the puck on net. Like He knows where to put it. And um, that leads me to like Aaron Dell, how he was giving up so many rebounds. I felt yep. like it, like I'm happy they tied it at three, but early in the game, Dell was dropping everything right in the crease, every shot from the blue line. Even it's sitting there in the crease. I thought like I want to cast like or sockle over the big bodies to just jam away in there. Um, and, and on that goal too, Colby Williams on the rotation before that, he was showing some offensive flair tonight. And I was talking about him games ago, throwing his big hits, and he had like four fights in a row or something, and. Uh, he, he's a nice player too. I know he's a career AHLer, but uh, I like him. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's a favorite of Troy Mann from their time yeah. back together in Hershey. I was just mm-hmm. thinking, like, man, I wish DJ Smith's favorite defenseman was as effective <laughs> as the uh, Troy Mann's is down there. Because, uh, yeah, certainly on that play, especially, he was just circling the zone, looking to make a play, recognized that the defender lost his stick, mm-hmm. so we tried to pull him as far out of the play as possible and as far away from his bench moving to the uh, the left side the press box side at CAA arena you mentioned it, it was a good uh, crowd tonight and as Joe Bell said away she goes boys you know you can't win them all but 
going down three three one to me really felt like a backbreaker. So for the fact they fought back in this one, I think does say a lot about what this group has in the tank and the coaching job as well. Now Roby Jarventi ends up tying this game, but before we get to that, should mention Agazino. Great play. Now it was off the second attempt of a faceoff, and on the first attempt, I was already kicking myself because Castle wins it clean. They move it over. I think it was Leslie uh, or Hetherington had a wide open lane to the net. The whistle goes, they have to redo it, and sure enough, Andrew Agazino upstairs. That was the textbook on Aaron Dell. Everything that was low, yeah, he was kicking out lots of rebounds, but he was making saves. All three goals, well, I guess the the backdoor tap-in from mm-hmm. Leslie for the second for the first one wasn't, but second and third goal, both right over the shoulder, Aaron Dell. Yeah, no, they need to shoot high because uh, um they were going low, though. Like, even in overtime, Lassie Thompson there, he had a ton of room. He walked oh. in. I'm thinking he's going to roof this like Hetherington yeah. did last game. And he goes low, low pad. And I'm like, oh, what a missed chance that was. But, yeah, they need to shoot high on him because he goes down fast. He was on the ice the whole game. Like, he, he – forget the top half of the net with him. So, Egazino looked like he kind of surprised himself with that goal, too. He took a second. He's like, oh, went in. He's a nice player, too. He was a good signing. So Yeah, yeah, 20 goals this year in AHL. Uh, We'll finish up with with a little eulogy and and ask about a couple of the vets. Would you bring them back and all that? But in overtime, what was your heart rate when you saw Roostalainen go in on a breakaway, especially after the PTSD from Game 1? I won't lie to you. I was positive the game was over. I was so sure. He just... Like, I don't know if this is Wayne Gretzky or R2 Ruitzalainen. He, I don't know, he would not miss the net. Like, even that goal he scored, he came in, just sniped it. When he got a breakaway, and that was another horrible bounce, too. It was just a brutal bounce. Goes right to him, breakaway, and I thought it was done. But you know what? When he missed, I thought that was a momentum shift. Like, I almost thought Belleville was going to win more after he missed. I was like, that was a big moment. Yeah. So. Just like Belleville had 10 shots in overtime, this time it was Rochester with 10 shots in overtime. Five for Belleville, although it didn't really feel like that. I thought it was end-to-end in overtime. There wasn't a whole lot of sustained offensive zone pressure for either team where they really hemmed in the other team and you're worrying. The most worried I got was on the little floaters from the half wall or from the point because obviously PTSD from game one, but also doesn't it feel like that's just how playoff games end, just the ugliest goal imaginable? Yeah, and with every passing minute, it feels like that more and more, too. Like, when yeah. it got down to the last five minutes, I'm like, yeah, again. Like I said last time, again, it's like whoever just floats one through here gets a bounce. And it wasn't a floater that, uh, that ended up going in, but it was a lucky bounce, just landed on his stick, puts it home. It's, that's just how they go, especially in overtime. So Yeah, that's why it's well said there from, from Joe Bell, because, like, what, what are you going to do on the bounces like that? I guess the comeback would say make your own bounces, but... Mm. Sure enough, they they had their chances in this game. I mean, they put 37 shots on goal. They outshoot Rochester 37 to 30, and they do have a valiant comeback. And I mean, we're kind of burying the the best part of the game in a sense. That five on three power play didn't seem like much was going on. They had trouble breaking out of their own zone and getting an offensive zone possession. But sure enough, I believe with five seconds left, it's Roby Jarventi. And what did you think, not only of that play, but Brandon, his his series, I think, was really impressive versus what I expect. A lot of pressure on him with J.J. Paterka, the guy who went up one pick later than him. I mm-hmm. thought that he was every bit as good. Maybe not as dominant with the puck in possession, but still five shots on goal and certainly made his impact on both games. Yeah, I was a lot more impressed with him tonight than I was last game. I thought tonight he really, like, he's only 19 still, and he really took it by storm tonight. Five shots. 
think after the second or, or after the regulation I tweeted about him, he, he was just dominant. Prob- well, yeah, I'll take it back. He was probably uh, Belleville's best player, not Greg, but they were close. <laughs> Real uh, close. Yeah, your Venti, though, he really took this game over. I noticed him a lot more than Paterka tonight. So considering he's younger, too, that was super impressive. And that was a nice goal. I don't know what was going on with them calling it Logan Shaw's. I was he's like, on the other Logan- side. He celebrated like it was his too. He's going down on his one knee and he went to yeah. the bench first. I'm like, what are you doing? Are you just taking credit for this? Or Well, Shaw wasn't even the guy in front of the net. Shaw oh, was in the one-timer position on the other side. Oh, I don't know <laughs> what they were doing then, what they could have seen. Because it was no. just a clean shot. Well, Again, the over the time. shoulder. Over yep. the shoulder of Aaron Bell, just clean. I don't even think there was a screen on that. He just wired it. Red no. light Roby. That's all it is. Red light Roby, buddy. That's oh. huge. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm still con- confused, but also the first goal of the game, they announced it as Hetherington instead of Leslie. <laughs> so they're just having trouble with the numbers there. Three versus eight, 34, 22. Eh, maybe that one doesn't work out so well. But all in all, I want to call it a successful season, but it wasn't because you can't finish as the higher seed here and lose out in two straight. I have my qualms with the fact that it's a best of three series. I think that that's kind of baloney the whole way. And if you're a best of three, you should be able to put your foot on the gas pedal. And I get it. You want two games potentially for the higher seed. And in this case, that works out that you start on the road. But you get so much momentum off of game one in a best of three. If it's a best of seven and they had to do some weird way where, okay, you'd start on the road, sure. But when you get half the amount of wins you need in the entire series, getting home ice off the bat – I think that it's it's a, a weird move, but it all comes down to finances, right? It's a business at the end of the day. So as a fan, I can sit here and complain about it, but you understand the the travel, the cost of the hotel room. I mean, there's only 3,000 people watching at the game. It's not like an NHL game where you have 15,000, 16,000, but I guess there's not even a question really in there. I was going to say, would you like to see that change? But we know why it is the way it is, but maybe – a little more consistency. How about that, Brennan? Because this is a best of three, then a best of five, and then the playoffs turn into yeah. a best of seven. That's weird. I, I don't like – there's probably a reason for that that they've stated clearly, but that that is bizarre. Um, the best of three, I guess it's like a play-in round, but should it be? Like, yeah. I don't know. Three games doesn't even feel like a playoff series. Um, yeah. Like you said, especially when the first one, like, like they split the series. There was no advantage to the higher seed in this, so – uh, I'm not a fan of that. Best of five I could have lived with here. But, um, yeah, I would like to see that change for sure. But there was a lot of weird stuff this year with having more teams in the playoffs because of COVID and going by points percentage and stuff. So I'm not totally sure what that was about. But we'll see next season, I guess. All right. Any any Sens fan first? And we know there are Belleville Sens fans who cheer for a different NHL team supporting the Bay of Quinty area. But if you're an Ottawa Senators fan and you're watching this series, the pressure's on Philip Gustafson. This was, he's the 23-year-old. He's the guy on a one-way contract next season. I thought, as a whole, he was pretty good. But you look at the numbers at the end of the day, two games and an 871 save percentage. What's your overall takeaway from his performance through these two games? Uh, I think his numbers, it's kind of like his AHL numbers in general. He's yeah. better than they than they are. Um I thought his numbers would be better, but they didn't get that many shots. It kind of felt like they got more shots than they did on him. Uh, he made some good saves. I didn't think he was spectacular tonight. I thought he was, like, I'd probably give him an average, like a B grade tonight or something, B minus. Like, uh, again, similar to last game, I was looking at the shot chart here, and, like, 
their goals all pretty much came from the slot or right in that like low circle area. So Belleville's given up a lot of quality chances, but he was kind of frozen on a couple of those shots too. So again, 50-50 on Gustafson there. He, he could have he, like he didn't steal the series, but he didn't cost them the series either. It was he was just there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you can probably say that for... I mean, he's a career 898. Can you mm-hmm. believe this guy's played in, in Belleville games in all five seasons in the history of Belleville? Coming over there, I think, yeah, he played seven games right at the end of the season after being acquired for Derek Broussard. Then gets 31 starts, 24 starts, 13 starts. Obviously, that goes down as a few NHL games pop up here and there. Then he plays 20 games this season down there, has his best save percentage, his best overall season. You could argue, I guess, the 24 games where he went 15, 6, and 3, but that was such a wagon. I mean, he enjoyed a court. I think had identical records, but Dax had a 915 save percentage and Gus had an 889. But um, it to me, this adds a little layer of intrigue, though, going into the offseason because if you're management in Ottawa, I know you watch the game and you're also like, okay, yeah, it's all right. But at the end of the day, man, as a goalie, it's all about that save percentage. How many pucks are you keeping out of the net? And did you not give your chance to team to win, but can you steal series in a level where I believe management would be thinking they're too good, that he's too good to be playing at this level? I'm not saying that's, that the outcome's different if, if Mad Sogard is in net, but this guy's supposed to be an NHL goalie. We know Aaron Dell's not a good NHL goalie, and Aaron Dell was the better of the two goalies in these two games. Yeah, that's fair. He definitely was. Um, Gustafson's on a one-way next year, too. Yep. So I mentioned this in an article at some point. that like, EverydaySense.com. Go subscribe. <laughs> I think this is in my report card, actually. I gave him a pretty brutal grade. But um, they like he surely gave management something to think about next year because you've got Matt Murray who could be bought out. But do you feel confident about Gustafson after this season? He's... Again, his AHL numbers are less than average. His He had a really tough time in the NHL this year, too, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. And Sogard, too, it really sucks that he had to miss this because, again, like he was there all season, and now he misses the two most important games in franchise history. I mean, what yeah. a terrible time to get injured. But but on that note, and I asked Pilsy this this morning, like if Mad Sogard is available, does he play one of these two games? Because if I'm management, I'm like, okay, we need to see if Gus can steal games. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they probably would have put him in for at least one of the games. I mean, I think I don't know. I, I'd have to look at his numbers again, but I think he's been the better goalie this year, and so yeah, yes, yeah. Just I, I would put him in. I think he would have started them because I think at this point it's more like Troy Mann straight up making the decisions for Belleville because they want to go on a run. Yep. But the first time that Troy Mann has lost in the first round of the AHL playoffs. Yeah, I know, and and. They were talking about that, and they just kept bringing up all these stats. I, was like, I know. Stop. stop. What are <laughs> you doing? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, that's why you don't do that. <laughs> so Zach Leslie has a goal. Andrew Agazino has a goal. Roby Jarventi has a goal. And five shots on goal. He finishes as the game's third star. The second star of the game is Artu Rustalainen, as well in the number one star, Brett Murray, who did absolutely nothing all game except score the game winner. Uh, which, I mean, I guess counts for a little bit. So, yeah, he gets the uh, courtesy first star in this one. And just a disappointing end, man. Um, I guess we'll finish off with a little bit of positivity here. Who is the best player for you for these two games combined? Who's the best performer in the postseason if you were doing a report card on them? Hmm. That is tough. Ah, That's really tough, actually. I'm curious to hear what you're going to say because – 
I thought like I thought Castellic and Sokolov were really really good last game. I liked yeah. them a lot there, but tonight, like I thought Castellic really struggled tonight. Actually, he was one of the one of the ones that kind of surprised me. And Sokolov didn't really do a whole lot either tonight, unfortunately. Um, that's kind of split for me. I, I don't think I can choose for an overall grade right now. No, yeah. that that's fair. No, not to yeah. put you on the spot. For me, I was impressed with Rourke Chartier, how he came yes. out af- after missing six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what to expect. And, man, he's he's up there on the top line. He's looking good and uh, finishes with a goal and an assist. A little bit of a lucky assist just going off his skate. We mentioned Ridley Gregg doing most of the work on that opening goal from Zach Leslie. But Rourke Chartier is a guy who I'd love to see back in this game or in this team next season we know there's always a lot of changes at the ahl level but he and andrew agazino would be two guys who i'd circle and say man try to do whatever you can here to get those guys back in the mix three points in two games for agazino but from a prospect standpoint i thought uh, cole reinhardt played decent he was using his speed good on the pk but this is just disappointing but ridley greg to me was unbelievable tonight two huge hits some shots on goal. He had a couple hound plays where it defensively just lifted the stick, turned pucks over, created a good odd man rush. That chance from Lassie Thompson in overtime. Ridley mm-hmm. Gregg got the steal that started that, and then Agazino sent it across ice to uh, to get that chance for Lassie. So to me, Ridley Gregg's a, a real bright spot here. Now, um, if you listen to Locked On Senators, there's there's still like that overwhelming thought for me that that maybe he's a guy that you use if, if Kevin Fiala is available. But I can see the flip side, man. Like when you watch him, you're like, okay, this guy is going to be a player at the NHL. You know that he has the physical tools. You know that he's a little bit uh, able to cross the wires too, which I like in a player, and we know the Sens love. But would he be a guy for you that's off the market, that you just completely untouchable level like Jake Sanderson and, and the other guys who are – completely untouchable or would he be a guy who you would listen to in the right circumstance i think i'd definitely listen on him and that's nothing against him i mean he put up 63 points in 39 games this year he's <laughs> definitely well do you, do you remember where you guys had him ranked in your prospect list yeah number two right after jake two. sanderson okay yeah um no that's a lie three right after because we used shane pinto a lot okay, of people yeah. didn't we put pinto ahead of him as well yeah um I would I would be here for the argument that you wouldn't move him, but in the right situation, like if they're demanding really Greg and it's Kevin Fiala with an extension, and it's like I don't know what it would be. It would still be a hefty package, which would make it tough to give up Greg. But I'd probably listen in that case if if you're getting someone like that. Um, I think unfortunately, and this is the thing when you have a lot of prospects, is it probably will be like a Greg Sokolov, Jarventi, yeah. one of those guys that we're parting with this summer, and it's like. You don't want to, but you have to look at what you're getting back to. So I hate to say it, but Igor was pretty quiet in these two games. He was, yeah. I liked him last game. I think the problem is now, and I, I looked at this last game. He had, like including the playoffs. He didn't. He scored one goal in his last 13 games. Really? Yeah, he had like That's seven perfect. or eight assists, I think. But he this year too, he put up 19 goals and 30 assists, I think, something like that. So 31 he became assists. more. Yeah, yep. and he did like respect to him he did become a better passer he his vision improved from what i saw um but he he was drafted as a sniper so you want to see him scoring more and, and especially in overtime too like i just kept thinking like igor just get a little bit of space and use that shot and he just wasn't shooting the puck so he was quiet um which sucks because he's got the best personality ever but yeah 
Yeah, hopefully uh, another offseason of training there because it just looked like he was maybe like a quarter step behind mm-hmm. uh, on the back check a little bit as well. But when he gets the puck, he had a couple opportunities on the power play where you're like, he's looking for it. He's got the shark-like mm-hmm. qualities going. He's trying to trying to get the pucks on net, but just wasn't going in for him tonight. And yeah, Cameron mentioning that he'd have patience on, on Ridley Gregg. I think a lot of people are going to echo that sentiment. But if it comes down to it, if it's Pinto or Gregg or you don't get that top six guy – where are you going? Pierre Dorian obviously has to think about his own job as well. And maybe a lot of people will say like, oh, that's selfish. General manager should always have a long-term outlook, but don't get it twisted. Pierre Dorian knows if they start poorly next year, his job is on the line and his job should be on the line. Same with DJ Smith because they cannot, cannot start the season with four wins in their first 20 games like they have in back-to-back seasons. Well, we'll see because of this new report that something but not you don't believe that (laughs) no i I don't believe that i think that's something that batman would have to say right now oh yeah and but if it's true i mean you have to think that the two melnick daughters would be pretty like attached to dorian and smith so it'd be kind of interesting to see what would happen there but i agree with you they should be on i almost think they should already be on the hot seat because this is year six we're going into now and there's been actually regression over the last year from a statistical standpoint yeah um so yeah, next year's big. I do think, though, like you said, like if it's Pinto or Greg, I'm keeping Pinto. Yep. 100 times Me out of too. 100 times. I think Greg, I like Greg a lot. Um, again, though, if you're getting a Fiala, like that's a proven player compared to a prospect. Greg looks really nice, but he's not proven yet, right? Like we don't know what he's going to be at a professional level. So you have to take that into account, too. 100%. Uh, final thoughts on the Belleville Sense season. And everyone go follow at Everyday Sends. Obviously, you already are on Instagram and do it on Twitter as well. Everyday Sends got clips, analysis, everydaysends.com. You can go subscribe there. Brendan, it's been awesome chatting with you over these last two games. You've been a Sense Central citizen before. We absolutely, friend of the show. Let's just put it like that uh, 100%. But you've been on Belleville all season. You've watched a ton of their games. How would you summarize it? in a paragraph i'll give you more than a sentence (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think they they had a really good season they should be happy with their regular season they should be disappointed with their playoffs similar to ottawa faced a lot of unlucky injuries untimely sickness whatever um but again i think if you look at their stats i've got them pulled up most of their young players like ottawa took a step forward uh like jarventi was more impactful i guess he was a rookie but he was like he built on that those crazy stats he had in a little stint last year. Yeah. Uh, as a 19 year old, you had uh, Sokolov put up like almost doubled his points compared to last year, I think. Um, Reinhardt looked a lot better. Castellick's going to be a full time NHLer. Kelly's going to be a full time NHLer. Like, pretty much what you want to see from a development standpoint. Troy Man should be happy with the season. Got unlucky at the end. Next year, you want to be making more of a push, but they should be happy with their season. Last point I want to get to, the decor. Who's closer in your opinion? And did this series change where you have your, or, uh, Thompson and Jacob Bernard Docker? It did not change it. I still think Thompson's closer. I know there's okay. been a lot of buzz about Bernard Docker. Yep. I, I like Bernard Docker too. I think they're both good prospects. But uh, I mean, Bernard Docker is more of a complete defenseman, I guess. I just think Thompson offers you more potential. But I think he is closer to that potential too. He plays a super mature game. Like they both do, but I, I would say Thompson right now. Awesome. Well, we'll have an off season to dissect that and get ready for next year. 
as well. Development camp, I guess, for the guys in Belleville is the next time we'll see them after the NHL draft. That's in early July. The Tankathon is coming up. I'm so used to calling it the Tankathon because we've been doing it every day here on the show. Let, let's give you let's give you one Tankathon spin, all right, Brennan? We need this as because obviously draft lottery coming up on Tuesday. We've been uh, we've been rolling the Tankathon each and every show. So you get yours first on your side. I'm pulling up the Tankathon here on my end. I don't know if you can see that yet. Yep. All right, you going with your spin? All right, here we go. So Ottawa with the seventh best odds. Stay at seventh, Chicago jumps to first. I, I was saying this morning, I'd be down if Chicago stays at first because then it means Columbus doesn't get that pick this year. It moves mm-hmm. to next year. And Columbus is building something scary there. I don't like that with all their picks. They got the Cylinder kid coming up and a lot of other guys from the last draft. I think they had two first-rounders last year. I'm blanking on the other guy's name. Got uh, Adam Bockvist in that trade mm-hmm. for Seth Jones as well. So if they skip out on a top five pick this year, I won't be too upset. All right, let's simulate the lottery here. Staying at seven. I have a feeling that uh, that's going to be the play. Although Pilsy and I kept hitting eight, which would be disappointing. Like are you are you cool? I know you're big into the draft as well. Are you cool with drafting seven? Do you think they're going to get some good talent there? I'm cool with it. I mean, I made that uh, Slapkowski slot swap earlier this year. Yeah, uh, it's a tongue twister. His name. That's but, your guy, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I want him, but we're not going to get him at seven. They they have to jump. <laughs> Although, like, yeah. I like like Joachim Kamel too, and for sure, Cooley's not going to drop. But there's honestly, I know you guys have said it too. It doesn't matter because Ottawa is going to go way off the board, so it, it does not matter who we like. It all this time I'm going to spend covering the draft and getting ready and. All these videos I'm going to make about all the prospects means nothing because they're yep. going to take somebody that should go in the fifth round. 100%. <laughs> and that's why you got to do a top. I think we're going to do a top 62, 64. Right, we're two, two full <laughs> rounds. Two full rounds worth. Uh, I mean, we do this five times a week, so we're going to have time to do uh, three or four per show. And we have fun doing it because it makes the draft that much better when you're, even when the other teams are going, you, you can get locked in and try to figure out which team. And you know that the Carolina Hurricanes are going to take whoever's top on Scott Wheeler's list. Mm-hmm. And you know that the Sands are going to take whoever's last on Scott Wheeler's list. So, um, no, it's always fun time of year getting ready for the draft. We're going to be following along with your coverage at Everyday Sends. You can follow the show at Sends Central on Twitter, LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. Just uh, I know that Sean Foise in the chat here saying lots of great players picked at seven. So I just uh, looked it up because why not? And players who have been picked seventh overall recently. 2018, Quinn Hughes. 2015, Ivan Provorov. Darnell Nurse. Matt Dumba. This must be – these are these have to be only defensemen. Nope. I guess they're just all – all the most recent ones. Oh no, I do have it sorted by defenseman. Good job by me. More, even more recently, like if they could get their hands on a player of the skill level of like a William Eklund or Alexander Holtz or Dylan Cousins, those are the last three picks at seventh overall. I'd be pretty happy about that. Oh well, yeah, those are game changers. I mean, realistically, you should get a game changer. And I've said like this is their this should be their last chance to get a game changer through yep. the draft because next year you should be picking. 15 or higher like you should or close to it so yeah um or 15 or lower i guess but um so this they got to hit on this this is another one you got to hit on and, and i've been thinking too like if they sign Giroux, for example which just an example just an example if they they get somebody short term my uh, is draft the top I, six forward yeah i mean the defenseman i see that um i'd be fine with that too a right defenseman would be good but if you draft a forward this year that projects to be a top six forward 
um, you draft or you sign like a Giroud type, and then that yep. forward develops behind him, you're good for the long term. So as long as they fill that need, I'm good. Sean says Mark Shifley is a big one, buddy. Stay away from Mark Shifley. He's a guy who's been in Winnipeg all season. Like they they say he's just like all offense and absolutely no effort on defense. He, yeah, n- not a player I'd want on the team. A little insider scoop. I get my hair cut at the same place as Mark Shifley. And uh, the barber was telling me that even when he's getting his hair cut, he complains about the refs and just just complains in general. So, um, yeah, not the kind of guy I want around this young core. I say draft. And you know what? Whether it's a defense and a forward, I don't even care. And, yeah, Joe Bell, if uh, Nikolai Ehlers is available, you give up. Uh, whatever you would give up mm-hmm. for Kevin Fiala, you give up that. For, for Nikolai Ehlers. I'd say pretty comparable players there. Um, so you're okay with the forward or defensive, but you prefer forward? I'd prefer a forward, but like if one of those two Slovakian defenders, or like a Slovakian and Czech defender, Juracek and... and yeah, Nemec and uh, Nemec. Yeah, Nemec. yeah. Nemec. <laughs> if yeah, either yeah. of them drop, then you're taking them. Taking 100%. Them there, but otherwise, oh. I'm, I'm prefer a forward for sure. Awesome. Well, Brandon, we'll have to have you back on here as we get into our draft coverage on Locked On Senators. Now you've had half... Uh, po- uh, one postcast with Pilsy, one postcast with me. Mm-hmm. We got to get you on, shoot the shit with you again uh, as a whole on Locked On Senders. It's been way too long uh, since we've had you on the show, but thank you very much for joining us. Of one course. more note. Yeah, one what's up? Note. I saw earlier, well, first of all, thank you, Cameron, for saying great year from you. I saw that. But <laughs> second, you said somebody talked about Zach Ossipchuk. It was Cameron earlier. Yeah. I want to talk about him. He was, Let's oh, go. he's incredible. And I had that $50 bet with Spencer on Twitter. Yeah, Chuck will make <laughs> will make the sends next year at a camp. It's more of a joke bet than anything. Don't get your hopes up, but I'm still <laughs> counting on it. That's my hot take. He'll make the sends. Him uh, and Ridley, or you think he jumps Ridley too? No, he jumps Ridley. Jeez, <laughs> Ridley starts in the A. Austin gets his nine games. That's it. Yeah. So there is a little games. inside track there yeah. for for Austin Chuck. I yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah. he's made a he... name for himself. He's insane. When uh, when do they start their second round series? I think they did. I think they lost one nothing tonight. No, oh for end of the oh, first no. period. End of the first, yeah, yeah. One nothing. Underway. Came. And obviously Winnipeg rolled. Obviously Winnipeg rolled their series. Yeah. It's a complete wagon. They're up six nothing. Um Brandon get or sorry, Moose Jaw gets a late goal, but that that's a complete wagon. And uh, if Vancouver can somehow sneak past Cam Loops. That's who they're going to have to take on next. Well, it's never an easy course when you're the eighth seed, but uh, Cam Loops is going to be a tough test for them. First period is just over game one. I'm glad you brought up Austin Chuck. He's a guy Mm -hmm. who's going to be a riser. Um, Awesome. Well, 4-3 overtime loss for the Belleville Sens. They give up a goal with just under three minutes left in the extra frame. A tough balance. For more, we'll be discussing this on Locked On Senators on Monday. We'd like to thank Brennan at Everyday Sens for joining us. I'm Ross Levitan, and the Belleville Sens season is over. They made their playoff debut, and then they have their playoff finale in back-to-back days. But CAA Arena has now seen AHL playoff hockey. We'll be back, as I said, to break this all down on Monday. We're going to start our organizational value rankings next week and a whole lot more. For At Everyday Sends, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Postcast, presented by the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team, every day.